So, Mike, pod number four, first one recorded on site, second time of asking. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Pete forgot the leads. He forgot the leads. Honestly, we had an hour walking round, lovely chat, got to sit down to get on with the podcast, and he forgot the leads. Yeah, I know. I know. It only ever happened to Pete, honestly. <laughs> honestly, I mean, the only mistake I've ever made in this business is choosing monster to advertise jobs on yeah yeah it's not it's not the most popular platform no it wasn't no <laughs> but yeah the podcast we were out with um peers steven's gaskets a couple of weeks ago now sorry peers that this has taken so long for me to do the edit on this um and also minor apologies for the the poor sound from myself when this uh when this pod goes out but it was um it was fun to kind of look at a a family, third generation family business and see kind of what they were up to really. What do you think, Mike? Oh, yeah, I loved it. I'll tell you what amazed me was how much stuff gets made there that I thought would just get made in China. And secondly, I loved how entrepreneurial they was. Literally, they look at something like the face masks. We'll just have a go at that. Let's yeah. just get tooling made and let's just start trying. And it's like... Because that tooling's not cheap either, is it? No. You know, you've got to take a punt on it. It's going to cost you several thousand yeah. before you even start. Yeah, and it's like... Let's just have a go at it and then just start making calls, trying to sell it. Yeah. You know, we'll get, let's just invest in the products first and then we'll worry about how we're going to sell it afterwards. Yeah. Just do it. How many times, you know, I've been in places where you have meetings for meetings and it's just get on with it. Just do it. That's the difference when you've got a family run business, like what I was doing with my dad. If I saw an opportunity, there was a couple of times where I spotted something and I thought, oh, there's a gap there or we can jump into that and we can make money quickly. And you can pretty much just make a call, put some kind of, I don't know, a campaign out, be it email marketing or just ringing people up and just start creating opportunities straight away. I think sometimes that's where some of the bigger companies, like you said, they they can be a little bit slow and they can sometimes miss an opportunity that those small dynamic businesses could just pick up. But saying that, they're not a small business, are they? No, no, no. I mean, it, it, they what, four or five buildings now. Yeah. Rammed full of work, loads of staff. It's... It was impressive. Must be Piers's uh, flamboyancy of uh, being able to sell. <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. Definitely liked his cheese anyway, didn't they? Yeah. But uh, roll the music. Hey guys, Pete Comerford, Mike Bolton. The Metal Guys. Uh, today we're out. We're out on site. First time we've done a podcast live. This is uh, actually the second time, Peter, because you forgot the leads last week. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true. Yeah, Very organised there, Pete. Yeah, yeah. But we didn't. We didn't actually uh, record it, did we, mate? Not without no leads. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, cheers for having us back, Piers. Um, yeah, we're here today with Piers Bainton from Stevens Gaskets. Um, how you doing today? Really good. We had a good catch up so far this morning. Looking forward to what's about to uh, unravel. I talked, we've... talked about a lot of butter. Yeah. <laughs> it's been almost an hour before we've started. <laughs> but um, if we can kind of um, start by, I mean, it probably sounds a bit harsh this, but I was always told when I was younger that first generation business owners set the business up and get it to a certain level. Then the son comes in and he takes it on to the next level and puts it somewhere, starts making really good money. And then the third generation comes in and they just spend, they love spending. So how are you getting on spending the money, Peters? 
I'm doing really well, to be honest, chaps. <laughs> um, it typically goes on machinery and capital investment. Oh, really? Um, yes. Well, if you look at my 13-year-old Volvo, Volvo estate outside of 172,000 miles on the clock, you'll see that it, you know, it hasn't gone on my lifestyle when it has if, gone if, on. If we're going on top trumps, you know, my my uh, 4,000 pound Q7 has 236,000 miles on the clock. That, that is impressive. Taxi miles. Very, very good. So we've typically spent the spending the money on um, lots of machinery and new factories to put the machinery in. Okay. So tell us a little bit about Stephen's Gaskets because there'll be people listening who haven't heard of you as a business. What is it that you actually do? Gaskets is in the name. Primarily, we manufacture metallic parts, typically shims and shim washes in very thin materials. Um, we also do rubber components, high temperature materials, um, metal pressings, and anything else in between. Um, that if it can be stamped or pressed or formed on our um, in our pressing department. We've also got invested in a laser cutter three years ago for doing more low volume and sampling work before going to high volume. That proved uh, very rewarding so far. Good. Okay. Now, I obviously worked in a family business myself in the metal sector. Pretty much since you were a child, this business has kind of been exi- kind of in existence. Can't get my words out. Um what are your kind of first memories of the business? We were always uh, kept away from it, to be honest. Um, we didn't. I didn't really start to experience it until I was fifteen or sixteen, when I actually used to go and have to work for six weeks of a summer holiday, working in either the warehouse or on some of the machines that weren't uh, going to, you know, do me some injury because I didn't know what I was doing. So we knew the business existed, but, you know, it used to be in the centre of Birmingham and the city centre of Birmingham to uh, Wolverhampton when you're 11 years old. Felt like it was the other side of the world, didn't it? You know, yeah, when, yeah. On a, when you're an hour and a half in traffic in the morning. And now it's all, I live and breathe it, basically. Did you ever see that happening when you was like, when you was at 16, did you ever think that you'd be, you know, running the business? Not in the slightest, no. I was at school, went on to the university after school for four years and didn't see it happening until literally until the day I came here and you know I still didn't know what I was going to be doing when I came here and pretty much fell in love really with the hustle and bustle you know the running of the machines and the administration and everything that goes with it you know making it all happen yeah what is it that obviously there's a lot I mean what amazed me when we walked around your um your facilities is that there's a lot of work that you do that I would thought would have got manufactured in China that like come, yeah. you know, and you've obviously invested in heavily for your customers to to make their life easier, haven't you? We actually have three customers in China, which we export to in packing crates every month, month in, month out. Um, we're very proud of that, that we do actually, you know, manufacture components that actually could be manufactured in China, to be truthful. We actually, you know, make it here in the black country and uh, send it across the world, either by air or sea. But it's going out every month, so... How did that kind of come about? Because both me and Mike last week, obviously when I forgot the cables, we said that when we were driving back because, you know, you were making things like roll plugs and I just thought that is like a bargain basement product that I cannot imagine you can be competitive. So Hard work, Pete. Hard work. But what would you say to someone who, who might be buying those type of products typically from a less economically well-developed country at the moment and wouldn't even consider using a UK manufacturer because of the, the kind of prejudice that, well, you're just going to be too expensive. Providing there's no labour involved in a, on an assembly line, which 
we don't. We just don't assemble products. We are a component manufacturer. We can compete. Raw material is typically the same throughout the world, whether it be steel or plastic. Uh, most of our materials is, to be fair, well, pretty much all of it is almost European origin. But yes, as long as we're not assembling components, we can compete with Far East prices. You know, give us the opportunity, and we'll always, you know, at least have a go. Okay. When when did um? I know you said you kind of came into the business. You didn't think you were going to come in. Kind of what were your kind of goals before entering the business? Did you have other ideas of something you wanted to do? What was the dream? Well, I I left school and went to go and do. Um, a degree in hospitality and food management, which is what me and Mark have just been yeah, talking yeah, so passionately right, about. Yeah. Yeah. We like food, eating lots <laughs> yeah, of it, yeah, you know, it. multiple times a day. <laughs> yeah. Um, seven days a week. And I, you know, I feel like I have, I can probably in, for some people, I can probably eat, um, a week's worth of their calories in about a day and a half. And right, well, thanks for the chocolate bar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Greet the chocolate bar and bottles of water immediately, you know, <laughs> healthy way to start the morning. So, yeah, that was where I was initially going to go down that route. And, uh, you know, things changed and I ended up joining the family business. You know, it was actually my mum said, well, why don't you go and have a crack with the old man? So, you know, I did. And, you know, 16 years later, you know, I'm still working here and love it. Well, COVID's been coming to you in this than it would have been if you was in hospitality for years. <laughs> well, we've got some friends and very good friends in the hospitality industry and, um, and people actually supply the hospitality yeah. industry as well. And, you know, they are seeing, very very tough times it doesn't matter what's happening in the economy any anywhere in the world almost people can still afford to go for that pint after work you know yeah. or go and get you know at least a beer and a burger at a weatherspoons or you know yeah. that, you know that you know it's not huge investments like people are going to go and buy cars or houses you know everyone you know typically can spend that money and it's almost an untouchable industry really and, yeah. you know they've been hit and it's terrible what's happening you obviously seen, you know, when we've come in today, there's masks that you're manufacturing for for people who have been, you know, businesses that have been affected. I mean, you've obviously you thought about that and you've just made it happen, haven't you? You know, I mean, can you tell us a little bit about that? What you've been? Yes, we're making face shields and face visors, mainly for initially for you know the health service, but also now for all all industries and all sectors. I spoke to company about um, probably three months ago. It was within the first week of lockdown where we literally thought, you know, the world had come to an end, which is how it felt, uh, felt in the first two days. The phones and emails literally stopped for the first two days. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, the level activity was almost what I was experiencing on a Saturday morning for our customers that still work on Saturday mornings. And that's how it was for almost 48 hours. And we were pretty concerned. We still had an order book to carry us through for the next four weeks. But even so that, you know, some of that did get put back, but we, you know, we were approached by some people and we got talking about uh, manufacturing face shields. Within a month, we'd have had um, seven plastic injection molding tools on order. Um, we brought two new cutting presses uh, for cutting the visor itself. Uh, raw material had been on order. We were supplying face shields or visors, whichever you want to call them, um, by the lorry load, quite literally. Um, on a weekly basis um, to satisfy demand, and we're still selling them. We're still selling them today. Obviously, you've you've put in some investment immediately there, like yes. really, really quick. You've jumped on it. Obviously, the situation is like it's not typical, but is that typical of your business to see an opportunity and immediately jump on it and then put the investment straight in? 
being a small family run business um, we're not reporting to you know there's no there's not a huge level of directors and uh, shareholders to push through and you know i'm almost left to my own uh, well i am actually left to, to what i want to do myself really you know I'll, I'll tell the old man what i'm going to do and he typically says good idea have a go at it because you know if you don't try you're never going to know Correct. you know if you you know you could try and get it right great you could try and fail you know as long as we're not too exposed you know if, if you've still got to find out and um on this it really did you know work out we didn't furlough any members of staff during the you know the corona period um because of lack of work so uh it we, we kept it all going and actually making the face shields did in reality stop us from having to actually furlough any anyone out of our both office or factory so when when i was um working with my dad when i first started with him you know i was i'd got my own ideas similar to yourself and then i kind of got called in really to work in the metal sector um for the first year particularly i felt like I wasn't really worth maybe what I was getting paid because I didn't know anything. I didn't, I wasn't adding any value to the business and I got, felt a lot of pressure to then perform. Obviously over time you start learning generally by making mistakes, you start learning. But did you feel a lot of pressure coming in to the business? I didn't feel pressure necessarily, but I did, um, I did a lot of spectating and a lot of listening which I am actually, as some people probably wouldn't believe, I am a very, I'm very good at listening and taking on information, and then I'll decide whether I want to actually retain that information or not. So I'm, I'm very good at re- remembering detail and conversations, what people say. I might not be very good at, you know, remembering um, something incidental like someone's child's activity or birthday that I should have known about. I'm quite frankly, you know not that interested but i am interested in something you know everything business related and you know ultimately you know going to put food on the table and make the business money and you know develop and grow the business you know regarding you said about your dad almost backs you on the decisions you want to make i mean how key has that been for you to being able to make this business grow and and continue to be successful of having that support yes we are yeah you are right mark you know we are growing and i think dad's support whether it be essentially financially or you know mentoring um is invaluable you know my dad's 70 something years old and he still comes in every day he does want to retire but well i won't allow him no i won't allow him i I don't want him you know i very much enjoy every day i come in he's something some days i've got to go and do some work dad i'll I'll be in and out of his office you know i've got to tell you this dad i've got to tell you this and it's a 30 second thing that can 45 minutes he's just sat back in his chair like we're just having a chit chat I was like yeah better go and do some work now Dad. go and do a few more emails and calls and I'm back in again five ten he's like what about this so you know and it is, it is just you know support how has yeah. it, it changed as well because you've been in the business 16 years now that's correct yeah. like how how has it developed over that 16 years that you've been in the business good question um, thank you <laughs> I mean, I've watched, you know, people have come and gone, both shop floor and in the office. And um, as if, as people have gone um, out of the office, I've retained, you know, their their knowledge and everything they've taught and shown me. And um, I'm trying, you know, to pass it on to other people that come in. I've sort of got a few roles wrapped into one, you know, that 
you know, our production managers, you know, was, you know, there and he's gone and the engineer manager was a sales guy, etc. So taking those responsibilities on and, you know, it's, it's hard now trying to find, you know, the right people really, you know, that you can mm. help pass that on to, which is obviously what Pete and Mark are so good at and trying to help us with at the moment, you know, to place someone that, you know, we can yeah, I mean, work what, with. what strikes me with you, Pete, is just the passion you have for the business. You know, and, and how you want it to, and the way you've invested it as well. Yes. Because you, there's so many businesses. Sometimes they've got so much, um, got so much potential, haven't they? So much potential, yeah. but they're scared of doing the wrong thing or scared of yeah. putting that investment. Um, but yourselves, like you know, with these face shields, you know, you, you've had that conversation, you've seen a market, and you've gone for it. And what yeah. that's done is, it's kept people in within work yeah. that potentially, like we've seen, unfortunately, at the moment, is redundancies. But by having that. You know, faith in what you can do and what your staff can do. It's, you know, it showed, it showed what you, what you're about, really. I think it's, I think it's very impressive. Well, we actually took two new people. Well, one of our app, um, production, uh, controller, um, she employed two new people yesterday alone. One started today, I think, and one starts next week. So we're actually recruiting, you know, during this, our, our plastic moldings business. Um, I think we've taken four or five people on the last fortnight. You know, we're really, you know, we're really pushing for it. Yeah, you're bullish the about the future, really. Pardon, sorry? You're bullish about the future. Very, yeah. yeah. You know, what? you could almost say we're going to spend our way out of this, you know, pandemic and crisis that we find ourselves in by just investing to, you know, bring more work in, you know. Well, that kind of leads us on, really. Like, it's also, that's what Pete said, third business owners spend the money. And not, you just said it yourself there, Piers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am spending it on yourself. Yeah. 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 Not on his Volvo. Yeah. Yeah. Not on the trusty Volvo. Yeah. Where do you see, you know, if you look at, say, 10 years from now, you've been in the business 16 years. Obviously, things have changed quite a lot in that 16 years. You know, where do you see the next, say, 10 years Stevens gaskets. What are the plans? Well, we currently occupy um, three factories on three different sites. One happens to be two. Two happen to be next door to each other. One's a mile away. I'd like to see us in a modern facility. Um, not that we're not in a, currently in a modern facility, uh, but in, in a new facility with all three businesses all working under one roof mm. with one management team, with more ma- people on the management team. Helping me to grow the business. Okay. More machines, more customers. Yeah. A super site is the dream, isn't it? A super site indeed, yeah. right? Yeah. You do, site. you do find a lot of companies within the UK when they're on industrial sites, they have one or more than one unit. And it yeah. is, it's finding the, those kind of buildings that are suitable, aren't they? It's, it's really tricky actually to find the right um, industrial space, the right warehousing space or production space. We don't like having to, you know, lease a building because you're, you know, you're damageable. You do this, you want to knock a, you know, we're a, we're a fast moving company all the time. We want to knock a wall through or we want to do this and that. And, you know, it's, it's okay if you're knocking around your own building, but when you're leasing building, which we have had to do only six months ago, it's, um, you're very cautious, you know, not to damage. It's, you are in someone else's property, you know, we want to have our own that we can, you know, Damage, modified damage, and you know, yeah. If we want to knock a wall down and start putting mezzanine floors in, and you know, you putting can. machine beds or anything we want to do, we can do that without having to go and ask the landlord's permission. You know, now, a lot of the stuff that you do is you've tried to niche down, haven't you? That's where yes. you've been strong because you've done stuff that other companies yeah. don't do. Yeah. Is that still the plan? 
to continue down that way or, or have I'm, you got I'm, vision to go into other areas and really compete with some of the bigger boys? We are looking to compete in other areas. Um, and it's, I, th- I think if we want to see, you know, if, if we were to get a, a fancy graph out and start, you know, doing all what, you know, the, 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 the true business professionals do and see where you're going to be in the future and, you know, we don't necessarily believe in doing things like that. But if we did, you know, I think we would have to go start tackling for some other work and, you know, looking at what else there and, you know, but this is, I agree. At the moment, it's not something we definitely want to do, but I think in the future, yes. Sorry, Mike. I was going to say, I think you're right there. The fancy graphs and running your business off a a spreadsheet or a, a, it just, there's nothing better than knowing your business like you do and you can make those decisions and you know you're making the right ones. Yeah. Yeah, and, we don't you, work you, off spreadsheets. Yeah, you right. feel it, don't you? Yeah, we. Yeah, it's yeah. the gut, and you know, yeah. it's how we feel, and also maybe emotionally, which might not be correct, you know. But the big businesses—that's how you know why they are so big. To be fair, but you know, I don't think that's not how we want to be. You know, we want to do. You know, we enjoy coming to work. I come to work, you know, without thinking about it. You know, yeah. so I can't wait to get here in the morning. In the mornings before I even come to work, I flip open a laptop. And I'm going through my emails, and and I'm coming to work, and I'm. I'm permanently enthusiastic about enthused yeah. by that. That's why your customers buy off your company now because of how you so. quick, you can quickly change. Yeah. Yeah, we've seen that when you're in the shop floor, things are changing quickly, yeah. and you're adapting the people on the phones today. We can hear, you know, things are changing by the hour, really, and you're adapting to your customers' requirements. We service. We like to think we do service them well. Um, they're never waiting for the end of the day for a phone call back. They're getting them pretty much straight away if they need to chase us on an order or you know suppliers saying you know we, we get back to customers and suppliers are saying exact our supply what you know a lot of people don't realize you know this, your suppliers are as important as your customers and so many people forget that and we we treat our suppliers um with as much respect as we treat our customers because they're, they're without them we can't service our customers you know yeah. it's, i know it's a standard thing everybody knows but people do forget that they, yeah they, they do yeah one of the things man Mike spoke about on the, the first pod we did was about making mistakes and you touched on that yourself. So would you like to share the most catastrophic mistake that you've made in your metal career or something that's cost you the most money? There's too many to list, to be fair. Um, you know, that, this would be a whole other podcast. <laughs> this could be hours now. Um one that comes to mind, and you, you chaps don't even know this yet. Um, <laughs> I, I, I'll take two hours of the factory up the road. It's a mile up the road, and um, that factory we we took on, we racked it out after I decided to buy somewhere in the region of 150 pallets of PPE workwear and mainly catering and chef clothing, which we purchased about about four years ago. And I brought so much. We, we, we initially had a rented unit to put it in and, um, we ordered a load more and we had to, before you knew it, we bought a six and a half thousand square foot factory just to put all, you know, literally it was the lorry loads keep, kept coming and we bought it speculative, speculatively from, yeah. um, an liquidator and, uh, <laughs> we soon realized that it wasn't metal bashing, cutting gaskets or injection molding, you know, no. it wasn't for us and it was a, yeah, it caught us out a little bit. Let's put it that Did way. Did you have the, the storage hunters in to come and purchase it off you? We better phone them, actually. <laughs> should, yeah. Have you still got most of it left? Yes. 
What are you doing with the factory? Just storing the stuff. Um, we 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 brought a business three years ago down in Bromsgrove, uh, which is a metal turning business. We do bar turn products, threaded products, and uh, non-standard fasteners, and we relocated that into half of the factory, while reorganising the other half of the factory that is for storing our um, our wares. So, if anyone's listening who uh, requires, give us a call. About eighty metric ton, yeah, <laughs> of catering yeah, equipment. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we we sent we sent an Arctic lorry load out about six months ago, and that felt like the day. I, I mean, I I I went to watch that get loaded, and that felt like you know, we sold it on cost basically, and it felt like the a win, a real win. If you if you just chop the stuff up, you can sell them twenty five pound a bag a bag of rags. You yeah. know. We'd make a lot of bags around. <laughs> oh well, look, thanks for joining us for the pod today. It's been really, really nice to see you for a second time. <laughs> yes. Cheers, chaps. Yeah, thanks, Piers. Come on, Piers. Come on, Piers. Piers. Sorry. Did you say you brought cloves? <laughs> We, yes, we brought... Did you think you was going to be like Primark of the catering industry? <laughs> we were going to be pro- the next Primark for yeah. the PPE world. Like, I can't get my head around this. We've just had a really good podcast about investment, seeing it all, you know, spending the money in the bit. You well, brought... We did say about gut, gut instincts. Yeah, you, gut instincts. You yeah. asked for that worst decision well, ever. Okay, well, we look, gave you look, the... That was the worst. I reckon I like you should you get a graph. We. It was your <laughs> decision. There was no way. I just, yeah, true. I just need to know what went through your mind when you seen an email come through. Yeah, and how did thought, that even happen? I mean, it must have been like an email from a liquidator with a load of stuff on there, and there was like machinery for metal. It and was, then it, it just was, at the end, it just went, also, we have 20 turn of catering hats. Oh, that sounds a good idea, Dad. Yeah, it's it sort of how it went. We were introduced, we were introduced to um, a company that had, you know, they physically had the stuff they'd received from the bank, and um, we got invited down to come and have a look. And it was a gut reaction decision, and we said... We'll have it. They phoned us next week and said, we got more. And we said, just send it in. We'll have it. <laughs> oh, no. And it is how it went. It was just this catering, the chef's jackets, chef's hats, aprons, jackets. Do you have, a, do you have an extra, extra large for me? Because I'd love a chef's I've jacket got, and I've a hat. A, we actually got to triple XL. All right, I'm not that bad. But uh... <laughs> We have plenty. They're, they're the lovely ones with all the piping on and all the replacement buttons and everything. They look, you know, they're, they're pre, it's, it's premium products. And, uh, we decided to take a We haven't found a we haven't found a sales guy yet or salesperson um, that can you know help us you know yeah well, sell this it. sell this uh, these items on. I mean, I think I can sell an ice an Eskimo, but twenty ton of catering clothing. It's more it, than twenty ton. It's a lot more than twenty ton. It's hundred and fifty pallets. Oh no, hundred and fifty pallets. I is. can sell the pallets for you, no problem. Just yeah, not yeah, just not what's yeah. on them. Piers, that is the best one ever, mate. It wasn't even metal. It's like, yeah, we're Stephen Gaskets and we specialise also in chef's whites. What were we thinking? I know, yeah. yeah. I like the way you're still saying we. What was I thinking? What was I thinking? I bring my dad into this one. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, Piers. Cheers, Piers.